Hello there. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Spare on the Air on the internet. I'm Gary, and I'm Angie. And tonight we got a cool, cool episode for y'all. Yes, we have special guest Jengis Kangis, and to introduce them, we'll be playing their song "Life on the Fault Line" from their recent EP, Anxiety. But before that, we have a much more recent single. Yes, Detroit Basketball by Bad Bad Hats. What's a bad hat, Gary? What's like the worst hat you can think of to wear? A stinky one. Ooh, yeah, like those guys in high school who like would wear their beanie all the time. The little the little skater beanie. They never wash it. Washed it. They mm-hmm. never wash it. Bad. bad. Their moms tried to snatch it off their head, and they went, "No, mom." And then, and then, how about the hair? Ugh, it's all greasy. It's always greasy. Ugh. I'm glad this is a universal high school experience. Yeah, no, it's it's that, and then it's that, and then it's like the stinky socks with the slides. Mm. You know, we didn't have that problem in Colorado. It's more so girls would wear Birkenstocks with cable knit socks when it was snowing out, and then they would have like wet, cold feet all day. And it's like you're gonna get frostbite, my friend. You're gonna get green, gangrene toes. Trying to be cool. Speaking of toes, well, not actually. We hope you enjoy this new episode. <laughs> of- <laughs> We hope you enjoy this new episode and our entire season as it progresses of despair on the air on BFF.FM.
Jasmine. And I'm Tristan. And uh, we're two fourths of uh, Jenga's Kangas. Woo! Thanks so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. I guess the best place to start would be when did you as individuals start making music? And then how did you all come together to form the band? Yeah, so I 
Started playing guitar when I was like 13, but at that point I didn't really like any of the music that I heard like on the radio and stuff like that. But I, I learned chords and I would sort of try my hand at writing songs with, uh, with that skill level. But then in high school, I started finding music that I really enjoyed. And so that's when I started to like really write music. I wrote music uh, throughout college. I went to UC Berkeley. Uh, so I was like trying to be a creative writing minor and like write all of these like fiction stories. But um, really what I was passionate about was the music that I was writing alone in my room and, and songs that I wasn't really showing to anyone. Um, so that's when I started uh, making music. Nice. Uh, I started playing violin when I was four, and then I played just classical, strictly classical music till I was uh, about 14. And then around that time, my brother started playing electric guitar, which I thought was really cool, but I also didn't want to copy my younger brother and play electric guitar. So I picked up uh, the bass instead, and I started playing bass when I was around 14. and. Uh, so like right around the time I started high school and uh, luckily I had some good friends in high school who started playing guitar and drums at about the same time. So, you know, we played in a band in high school and we mostly did like covers and things like that. So it was a lot of fun. And then in college, I uh, got together with some really good friends and we started a band and, and wrote an original album. And that was a really great experience and uh, mostly been doing like bass guitar and some vocals and a little bit of drums since I was about 14 or so. Yeah. Awesome. And Jasmine, do you remember any songs that from your like you wrote when you were younger? I do. Yeah, I, I like remember the first song that I wrote um, and then it starts becoming a bit of a blur. <laughs> do you remember the topic of that very first song? Um, yeah, you know, boy, I like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how it tends to be. Do you like look back on those and you're like, oh, these are sweet. And like you think, are you still in that stage though where you're like, oh, God, this is very cringy. Or have you moved past that and you're like, oh, this is my start. Um, You know, I didn't think it was actually that bad. I think if I looked back at oh, it, good. I would still like it. Yeah, good. I was writing a lot of poetry before I started uh, trying to put poetry into my music. So I, I sort of like see myself as a poet first and like, yeah. that's how I get into music. You know, that's like my in. Oh, perfect. Yeah. We definitely have talked to some folks who, who were like, yeah. I'm like, what about your first songs? And they're like, oh my God. They're like, I burned all those. They were awful. And I'm like, oh, but like it's a memory. And they're like, no. No, they were just too bad. But that's awesome that like that's was your in, you know, you already had a background in kind of like writing poetry versus just like diving head first into like, let me write a song, figure out how it goes. Yeah, I mean it's it's always cathartic and I think it's always something that is therapeutic for me. Definitely. Yes. What were some of your first venues you played at or you felt truly comfortable? And who were some of the first people you played alongside with? made you feel supported on stage? Uh, yeah, so when I was uh, in college, the only place I would really be sharing my music was uh, this open mic night at a pub called The Starry Plow, which very much not frequented by other students. So I was kind of there with like the townies in Berkeley and I would go sometimes every week and perform there so that was a pretty safe space it was kind of crazy to like have a big crowd sometimes if your name got drawn like during the peak hours of the night 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my friend Danny Molina was uh, somebody I met at Berkeley who was also like playing punk songs and writing music. And he sort of helped me feel like comfortable and like accept the music that I was playing. But then, uh, yeah, I, I've like played with a number of people in, in LA that have made me feel safe and comfortable playing music. How are you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mostly did, uh, I mostly did house shows and like, um, more, uh, kind of friend shows. I didn't really play at venues until we started playing together, which has been like a cool experience. Um, but I don't think we've played a gig where we haven't, you know, found some camaraderie with whoever else was playing with us. And yeah, I don't, I don't remember anybody snubbing us at, at a show. Everybody, you know seems to say hi and be like, you know, down to exchange information and, you know, connect for other gigs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's been a pretty positive experience here, especially like coming from the Bay Area. Like after I graduated college, I wasn't sure if I wanted to come back home to Southern California or try to like, you know, kick it in the Bay Area. But um, playing music up there seems a little bit more competitive because they're like oh like only one of us is gonna you know really like make it out of the bay area oh interesting yeah and you know like tech was like really like putting the crunch on living up there so like yeah I i came to la for the music scene here that i saw was like really supportive and like very interconnected and like yeah it's it's been like a pretty positive experience overall i think there's just more opportunities yeah totally it's bigger there's more venues more opportunities more variety too yeah yeah that was interesting though that kind of like the philosophy was like to get big to get out san francisco is a huge area yeah, I mean, the venues that are in, like, the city proper, there's really not that many. Oh, okay. You know, you can probably count them on your fingers. So uh, there is definitely, like, a different attitude going on there. Interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, too, in LA, I feel like we've lost a bunch of venues this past yeah, so like, sad about the bootleg. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, like, a bunch of them, too, at the beginning of the pandemic, as soon as it happened, they're like, well, we were already on the verge anyway. I believe the hi-hat was like already like kind of thinking about closing their doors mm. and then i can't remember the name of the other one it's like in silver lake but it's not. oh the satellite yeah satellite's gone yes that's it yeah yeah they're biting the dust but i hope that this slack gets picked up by local businesses by people who have houses and are generous about that but I think new venues will pop up too. Yeah, hopefully. The demand for entertainment is going like through the roof now. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like, I can't find a, I can't find a big show to go to for like that's like less than a hundred dollars right now, mm-hmm. like ticket wise. Before the fees too, and they're counting the fees. Exactly. Yeah, and it's I just. Think, I feel like they've gone up those mm-hmm. those magic mysterious fees. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just hope people start like investing in venues. They invest in more like mid-tier or small venues instead of like, you know, like big plexes and stuff because I think we've talked about other guests like during COVID and stuff, a lot of like anxiety around like, oh, when, you know, shows are back, you know, what if, you know, bigger artists because there's, you know, they're trying to make up for lost time. They actually do perform at smaller venues and then people get completely pushed out of those for a couple 
months or even up to a year. And like there, they get bought by Live Nation, or they get just like either you choose to, either you have to get bought by them, or you're gonna just like you know just fall. Yeah, it's hard. We've been lucky to play at you know before the pandemic, uh, cool, um, really cool DIY spaces oh, yeah. that you know are small, but like would draw like a, a decent sized crowd, like. Um, is it non plus? Or yeah, non plus ultra is super cool. There was like at least a hundred people at that show, I think. Yeah, yeah, they got a good crowd. I mean, I think there's actually something cooler about like a DIY venue or a house show. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, I, I totally get why it's hard to run a venue in this sort of like environment. Like, I know there's a lot of permitting things and regulations surrounding running a venue and then on top of that you're like really you're selling alcohol you're not really selling music yeah so it's yeah i I see how it's like a struggle for those businesses too um so yeah i I hope like small businesses like i know bands in a barbershop was doing stuff for a while like i hope more businesses with cool people in them will like pick up the torch you know yes definitely if I had the extra money, I would love to do that. But um, it seems like, I, I know it's probably not, but it seems like it'd be maybe fun to run a venue. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's way too much hard work, but. You need like a good team. Yeah, I think if you have a team to support you. Yeah, I think it'd be fun too. Definitely. And then on the lighter side of things, do either of you have a favorite gig memory, either one you've performed at or one that you just went to? I remember from not that long ago, uh forget what it was, but one of our Echo Park Rising shows was my favorite show we've played. I think so too. I was going to say, yeah, like we've played Echo Park Rising twice and and both times I've been completely floored by how packed it gets and also just how into it people get. Uh, It's yeah, it's pretty cool. I think it was the second time. I think it was the second time we played. We played three times or two times? Twice. Twice. I think it was the second time that we played we played at the same venue uh, we played before, and we got to the venue, and uh, to our kind of horror, we realized they put a wall through the middle of the of what was once the <laughs> entire space, and so the stage and the and the space was literally half the size that it used to be, and it was already mm-hmm. small, and so we all you know crammed into this half room you know on the stage to play but then sort of like by default the room just kept getting more and more crowded you know because it was small we were like flinging bodies out just to like get our gear on stage it was a hot sweaty mess but but it got like more and more crowded and at least to me it just made it just left the impression on me that like this was the biggest show we've ever played because it was literally <laughs> packed. And I don't know how yeah, many people, people were Yeah, people were like fighting there. to get in the door. I know that. Like, so we played Rafa's Lounge, which I don't think exists anymore, but uh, it's like this basement, basically like next to the Echo. So it's like, like a half building. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a floor and a half, like in the middle of the building that you go down from Sunset on, but up from Glendale on. And it's yeah, very strange. Totally strange. And honestly, like in just that square block of uh, Echo Park, I feel like I've seen like too many amazing shows Mm -hmm. to even list. Like when I was in college, I saw um, Kim and the Created at, uh, I guess it was a record store or something, some little venue like in that area near the Echo and the Echoplex. 
Um, and that's sort of when I was like, oh shit, like LA music is on fire. Like people are really like cool and supportive down here. Definitely. I know sometimes they change, but um, do you remember from any Echo Park Risings, like in the near past, like any that you went to or like just like which space was kind of your favorite? I remember there was this restaurant, I think it was called Sticky Rice, and like they had such a cute little space. I mean, it was kind of small, but I was like, this is cute. And I was kind of like, I hope more restaurants when they pop up, maybe make small spaces for, you know, performance. Do they still have that space? I'm pretty sure they do. It would be kind of a shame if they ripped it out. It's 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 really little. It's probably not only enough room for like 10, 15 people to stand. Yeah. Right I next to the that. bar. But I feel like that's awesome just for people too to like um, you know, come on a weekday and set up and play, you know, during dinner. Oh, know. I'm sorry, I just remembered this. Uh what what I really uh remember and miss is uh Lot One Cafe. Oh yeah, La One was awesome. We played there all the time. It was like the most democratizing venue because it's so hard to get a ven to get a show on Sunset in general, mm-hmm. and uh, and like the owners of Lot One or whoever ran their events there were always like so generous and like literally I think any band in Echo Park or Silver Lake that exists now has played there at least once. And I think we played there a couple of times. Oh yeah, we, yeah, we played a few times, and I I ran a couple shows out of there too. That I wasn't playing, I just wanted to put a lineup together. Yeah, Lot One was really sweet. I, I miss Lot One. Vegan burgers are cool, but Lot One was was really cool. Yeah, I haven't haven't tried that place yet. Just kind of out of spite, I think. <laughs> and then also Ham and Eggs Tavern downtown. We played yes. a whole bunch of times, and that's a literal hole in the wall, but it sounds so good for how small it is. That was uh, the last show we played before the pandemic, too. No, it wasn't Factory. Where? Where? The factory downtown, the Arts District. That was our last show. I could have sworn the ham and egg show was our last one. They were close, but the factory was, was okay. last, yeah. That was a cool show. That was a really cool show. People like knew our music at that show, so that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a good crowd for the other bands too, so I think there was some cross-pollination there, which was nice. Yeah. Oh, but to answer your question about uh, <laughs> Echo Park Rising, um, one show that really stands out in my memory was um, I saw... Oh my God, why am I blanking on their name? Um, oh, Psychic Love, uh, whose lead singer passed away uh, very sadly uh, a couple of years ago. Um, they played a show in, I think it was called Vega's Meat Market. It was like a an old meat market that had been transformed into a practice space slash mini venue. It was really cool. It felt like I was in somebody's like tree house and that was a really great show and, and like really moving, really memorable. Awesome. And then are there any like local artists who you've like played alongside or who you've been listening to during the pandemic that like you've just really been thinking about lately and you're like, oh, these guys are my favorite or just, you know, anybody you want to play with, play with once, um, you know, things are able to get rolling a bit more. Yeah, um, Lindsay B, I totally champion her work. I think her album is so strong. Her The album she put out over the pandemic, um, I Should Have Stayed Home, is really good. Um, and, and Guppy, who is sort of like an associated mm-hmm. act, um, amazing. Um, 
Illuminati hotties is blowing up. Love yes. them. Uh, I'm really into uh, Send Medicine's latest album by Telepathy and Reputation. I would be down to play with them, although I think they're maybe a bit uh, more psychedelic than we are. <laughs> awesome. No, that was a, a good list. And some too who's been on the program. Hopefully those things can happen. I don't I hope um things seem to be not the best right now with the pandemic, but I really do hope people are able to plan, you know, to the best of their ability for things to happen. Did you have any shout outs you wanted to do? Uh, I, I like the Black Heart Throbs. Oh, love the Black Heart Throbs, yes. <laughs> yeah, played with them. Oh my god, their like, latest before. releases are so, so good. Their recordings are incredible. Yeah, they have good, they have great chemistry as a band too. And then like, Nader from Nadu is kind of like my music brother. Uh, so, <laughs> they're, they're awesome. And we were just talking about Cheek Face. Yeah, and we were, t- we would love to play with Cheek Face. So if we're, we're putting yes. this out in the, in the ether that I feel like our songwriting is maybe similar and we should play together. Yes, Greg, if <laughs> yeah. you're listening. And we there. know you did because you listened to the last episode. Sure, if you're listening again. Hi, Greg. And for a question before we take a break, when you were teens, what bands did you go crazy over? Oh my God, so many. Um, MGMT. The Vaccines, um, Radiohead, Franz Ferdinand, The Killers. I was such a big Killers fan. I still am a big Killers fan. Gosh, I, I mean, any list I make is going to be missing something huge, but like those, that's a good start. <laughs> I, I definitely listen to a lot of Radiohead as well. I love them. Uh, I listen to lots of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, especially when Californication came out, that album was just great. Um, listen to a lot of classic rock because it's what my dad listened to. <laughs> and uh, what else? Oh, I was really into um, uh, the Postal Service and mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, all Ben Gibbard stuff. I was, you know, just like indie kid stuff, Vampire Weekend. Mm. Um, yeah. All those Sorry. early early to mid 2000. Yeah, yeah. What 2009 was a good year type music. Was there a yeah, block party in there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> block party, Interpol. Do you remember your first concerts? I So I saw the Plain White Tees at the Ventura County Fair when I was like a middle schooler. <laughs> hey There, Delilah, still a good song, even though it's very much overplayed. Um, and then my first real show in a venue was uh, this band from Florida called the Black Kids. And then their opener, uh, it was at um, the El Rey Theater, like in Mid-City. And their opener was this band from San Francisco called Love Like Fire. Uh, that's one word, Love Like Fire. And the um, their band leader was an Asian woman and she came out like in this like glittery sequin dress with a guitar and just like started like ripping on these like amazing rock songs. And that like blew my mind. I was like, rock musicians can be Asian girls too. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, awesome. that opened my mind to a lot of things. Are they still active? 
I don't know if their lead singer is still active. I know the band doesn't really exist anymore.、Mm. But at some point, they had the same. They had the drummer from the Killers was like their drummer, and then he left to be in the Killers.、Mm. Okay. But、uh, yeah. Cool. My first concert was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hell yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, we are gonna take a quick break, and then we will be back with more chat. So stay tuned to despair on the air. Thanks for listening to the first half of our interview with Jengis Kanks. We have a rockin' mix of tunes to share with you. What's the first one, Gary? We got a Bay Area local, Boy Scouts, with a brand new song. That's life, honey. And then we have two picks from Jengis Kanks. The first of which is by Pucci. The song is called "Holiday for Capital Placement" from the A Thousand Gatos album. I believe I, is it Gay Gatos? 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 I am not good at pronouncing things. I think it should be A Thousand Gators. A thousand Gators. Who will win the fight, though? A thousand gators or a thousand cats? Gatos. Um. Oh yeah. Hmm. I think it would be pretty good even match. It depends on like if the cats were allowed to、um, like gate. Like if it was one cat per gator, I don't know. But if there was a bunch of cats per gator,、hmm. teamwork. Teamwork. And then another pick from Jengis Kangas we have from Black Heart Throbs. The song is called Cherry Coke, off the Little Dennis Wilson EP. Hey Angie, what's your favorite beverage? I like a good old-fashioned water most of the time, but I also like、um, various juice products. Me too.、Uh, yes, I think my favorite thing is those Coke freestyle machines where they have a bunch of different stuff and you can just mix and match. Yeah, yeah, different flavors: lemonades and ginger ales, cherry limeade. Cherry limeade. Oh. Yes, I don't really get beverages when I go places, but I do also like. The peach nectar drink from the habit. That's good.、Oh, yeah. Yes. Let us know what your favorite drink is. Yes. Tell us on our social medias or via email. Yes. At the spare on the air. Find us on the internet. And enjoy these tunes. And the rest of the episode on the spare on the air on BFF FM.
Jengis Kangas. Hey. Hello. Yes, to get things kicking back, which song from your repertoire is your favorite to perform? What's your favorite, Tristan? Mm, probably Trickle Down. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's It's usually it's a banger. towards the end of the set, and it mm-hmm. usually gets people dancing, which is fun. Um, I like playing And the lyrics beat. are sort of unforgettable, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We we used to do like a lot of like pranks and, and st- like I don't know like flare flary things with that song. Like we used to have um, a stack of like fake dollar bills that we would like throw at the audience oh, cool. during part of that song. Um, I still really like playing Deadbeat, even though that's like one of my oldest, oh, oldest yeah. releases. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, it's, yeah. it's, I think we always play it. I don't think we've played a set with that. <laughs> it's my signature song. It's a, good, it's a great song. More bands should use props. I want this. I'm, I'm manifesting in the air. More bands should use props. Yeah. We, uh, we wanted to do this, but we never got our act together because the song's called Trickle Down, and it's about trickle-down economics, and I mm-hmm. wanted to get those creepy... Um, like uh presidential masks of like nixon and oh, bush gosh. you know so Reagan. put those on so we may still do that at some point yeah, yeah go after might. halloween when everything's like 50 percent off yes mm, there <laughs> you tip. go save some money yeah. and then um can you talk a bit about what inspires your lyricism? I remember you said um, earlier about like you felt like your songwriting process is kind of similar to Cheekface and their kind of way they write, um, especially in your recent EP called Anxiety. Um, you write a lot about LA um, and California as a whole. And I was wondering like how you kind of merge um, like what you're thinking about, like what's you know, going on in your head or like in the news or um, history, I guess, as a whole into like your personal songwriting process. Yeah. Um, so I uh, was early on very inspired by imagist poetry, which is just like creating an image in your mind. Um, and I feel like my favorite songs, at least, will create those associations with different images. I'm also like very influenced by the places that I'm in. So um, songs that I wrote when I was, you know, in the Bay Area are in some ways inspired by, uh, you know, just like the environment that I'm in. Um, So I, I almost feel like that process happens like by osmosis, but I try to be specific um, when I write and I, I try to, like when I'm writing, I'll have an image in my head and a feeling that that image gives me. So that's sort of like where the song will find its place. It'll like the words will sort of settle into the image that I have and the mood that I'm trying to create and the mood that's created with the music, if that makes sense. Definitely. I like that. And, and I, I mean, like I'm not actively trying to be like political 
uh, when I'm like writing, I'm not like sitting down and being like, I'm gonna write a political song, mm -hmm. or like, I'm gonna write a punk song. I mean, a lot of the time it's like, I'm just really frustrated and there's something yeah. that's like, something that's causing like friction in my life. Um, and that's what I write about because it helps to release that friction. It's like cathartic for me. Exactly. And a lot of people too, people are like, oh, you know, it's, oh, I don't put, I don't put politics. Well, most politics infect people's day-to-day -day life. So it's kind of impossible yeah. to avoid, you know? I, yeah, I strongly believe that the, the personal is the political. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, I'm not going out to like write about, you know, some general issue that upsets me. I'm like thinking about like, how is this affecting the world? How is this affecting me? Exactly. It's changing the way that I feel. Like we live in a time where a lot of our lives is out of our control. And so I write about the ways kind of in which we don't have control and yeah. help people become aware that we don't have control about certain things and maybe we should. Yeah, that's what causes anxiety. The EP yes. title. <laughs> Fear of loss of control. Yeah, and I think anxiety uh, has hopefully like different versions of that feeling i'm I, I don't think anxiety is really one thing i actually think it's like this many-sided sort of beast there's like sort of more personal anxieties and then there's paranoias and anxiety about time and, and things like yeah, that the general the general gnawing in the back of your head that you can't quite put your finger on sometimes yeah sometimes it's a feeling that something is a little off and then sometimes it's like something really explicit you know yes um but life on the fault line definitely comes out of my uh anxiety that i get when i smoke weed that there's gonna be like a big earthquake <laughs> <laughs> um but you know weirdly the song does help me uh come to grips with that feeling and like it's sort of like a mantra for me yeah, exactly. Songs can definitely be mantras. That's how I always felt, you know, growing up. I had a lot of songs that, like, the lyrics were, like, mantras for me. Because I would definitely, like, you know, I would see, like, you know, things online for, like, help with anxiety. They're like, say this mantra, and I'd be like, I don't like that. That's corny. Yeah. But then, like, a lyric you would write over and over, you know, in your notebook when you're in middle school. That's what a, that can be a mantra too. And it's like immediately connecting you to your emotional self because of the music and mm -hmm. to your memory because music is so memorable. Yeah, versus kind of like the mantras they use like sometimes in yoga and stuff are so impersonal. They're like, I will be okay. <laughs> and it's like, no. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to, you know, hang on those. I don't want to no, disparage yeah, those because yeah. I, I definitely find myself using those more and more as I get older. Um, but yeah, I, I think music is all, it's all part of the same thing. Definitely. Yes, and speaking of anxiety, you have lyric videos for Life on the Fault Line and Sorry About It and Everything. What's the process for creating such these two different lyric videos? Um... Well, I think they kind of just came organically because I love making music videos. Tristan and I have made music videos together um, and we have a whole bunch. We made some for uh, Santa Fe Sessions, which is the release we did before Anxiety um, and a pretty crazy music video for our song Cactus. Um, so I love making music videos. During the pandemic, it was a little 
tricky and very time consuming to do like to shoot like a whole music video to on this EP. So the ideas I think just came up organically. Um, we started doing drawings. Uh, my my boyfriend Tim and I started doing some drawings for the lyrics on Fault Line, and then deci we decided to like split up the the lyrics into however many panels. I think it was like sixty something panels, um, and then we just did an individual drawing and painting for each, um, which took a long time. But uh, I think it's a cool result. It's very artsy, and then. Sorry I'm bad at everything. I think we were, we'd were we already done Fault Line and we were trying to figure out what to do for that song. And then we saw Joe Biden trip onto the plane. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that was my boyfriend's idea. He was like, I've got it. And then we came up with the idea to do the lyrics like a news crawl. Um, like and a it's Chiron or something? Yeah. Like on CNN or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, um, yeah, it had like an interesting effect. I mean, I knew it was going to have some sort of resonance with the footage of him falling, but it, it's surprisingly uplifting, I think. <laughs> and then are there any songs that you've yet to cover, but you're desperately wanting to? I did a cover just on my own of uh, Love You Madly by Cake. Mm. And we've been talking about putting that into our live set, working that in. I was thinking about maybe doing The Clampdown by The Clash. That feels like it fits into our, what we do, but. Mm. Yeah, I have to listen to that one. Yeah, I have a, I'm slowly working on a covers slash whatever I want like album yeah. uh, to put out before the end of the year but uh, that's got Love You Madly and Harvest Moon by Neil Young oh perfect that's one of my favorite songs nice yeah awesome. that remix by Poolside was pretty cool too have you heard that no I don't think I've heard that it's a uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool I dig it the yeah some artist named Poolside did uh, like kind of a remix to that song and it has like kind of an electronic beat and you know sometimes that doesn't work and yeah don't like it, but i thought i thought it was pretty effective it was cool cool yeah that's hard though to do it with such like a folky song yeah and an old song too yeah very cool awesome well we really look forward to that um i guess like comp personal compilation personal out. compilation yeah yeah awesome yes and if you could write a song for your favorite tv show movie or video game what would that be and what would the song be about it also could be a reality show too <laughs> yeah if you want I, something yeah I, re I really loved this show that was uh on hbo like seven years ago or something like that called bored to death yeah uh, uh, what was this jason uh, was, uh schwartzman jason schwartzman zach galifianakis and ted danson and it was kind of like a it's kind of like a noir comedy, you know, mm -hmm. but I really like uh, I really like noir style like films. And then I like that kind of that kind of smoky jazz soundtrack that usually goes on in noirs. And but I also love comedy. So that show was like the perfect combination for me. So I'd probably write some kind of smoky jazz number to go along with like one of the hijinks in that show or something. Nice. Never seen that show, but it oh, sounds so good. Sounds cool. 
it 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 died before its time unfortunately but they've got three seasons in there so definitely i haven't seen it either but it's definitely my watch list and i've seen i i i don't know if this ever happened to either of you if you were like on tumblr but there's some shows where i've seen so much like gifs and like clips of from tumblr I've essentially feel like I've watched at least half of it because so much has been spoiled for me. And it's like one of those shows where like I can hold a conversation with somebody about it, but like then they'll eventually figure out like, oh, your knowledge is based on gift sets and video clips. What yeah, what but, shows do you feel like that about? Um, definitely like I started watching Game of Friends recently, but before that, oh yeah, definitely sure. that one. Um definitely a lot of like indie movies i know like the premise of um i can't think of any off the top of my head but yeah a lot of stuff that was like pre-2015 people don't make really gifts like they used to i feel like people get more giffy and spoilery too with shows that come out on a weekly basis yes exactly exactly when they just are all, no more. when they're just all dumped on Netflix, like I feel like there's just a lot less buzz and people kind of blast through them or something. But on like oh, a weekly basis, true. people are all people are all eager to like post their opinions and their spoilers and stuff. So. Yeah, that's what happened, especially in Tumblr, where people are so obsessed with shows. Um, like Doctor Who, remember? I never watched Doctor Who, but I knew everything that happened because they would just like talk about it so much. Mm-hmm. But. That's so true, and I've been thinking like how to articulate that. So thank you for giving me the words, because definitely I feel like people don't talk about they'll talk about a show for like a day, but if you're not like on Twitter that day, you never hear about that show, because like everybody's like I'm watching this today, and they binge it all in one day or two days or over a weekend, and then you know if you're on vacation, then then, you know you're too tired to write something about it because you just watched ten and a half hours of TV. Yeah, or like I like, or you watch something later, a couple years later, you're like, hey, and people are like, we watched it six years ago. What are you talking about? And then you're like, way too late, and you're like, I want a meme about it. But that's me about BoJack. That's us with the BoJack Horseman. <laughs> we watched that, and then we're like, look at the memes, and all our friends were like, you're a little late, but okay. It's hard. Nobody's watching the same stuff at the same time anymore. No. There's too much stuff to do that, and like so little time. Yeah. yeah, and now with all the extra streaming services, people don't even have the same ones. Before, people probably, you know, like, at least had the same two, maybe even three, but now that there's, like, ten of them, it's like, oh, I don't have that, or oh, I, I only have this, or oh, you know, bring back pirating yeah. so you can watch everything again. What would uh, your show or movie be that you could write a song to? Um, I think Wes Anderson has some pretty iconic oh, yeah. soundtracks that yes. I really like, and I feel like maybe that's one of the only filmmakers where our music would like really find a home or like I don't know I mean I, I really liked the new Suicide Squad movie I had a really good soundtrack so maybe uh James Gunn if you're listening uh, <laughs> you can throw Jenga's <laughs> Kanga song in there but yeah I don't know uh like I think Wes Anderson has like softer stuff so maybe his yeah. soundtracks are really good. Yeah, or like um, Edgar Wright makes some pretty nice soundtracks. He's thrown the Stooges into the life aquatic, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. He always does that's a Rolling so- Stone song, I think, in every one of his movies. He said that's like his oh. way he likes to keep them in, in his calling card or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I definitely feel like Jenga's King so could be like an actual character band in the show. And like, not the show, in the mo- in a, like a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> like I could totally see you guys in the outfits and like being in a scene. 
The character's yeah, like, go Radiohead see you guys. Was like, Radiohead was in a Harry Potter scene, which I think is like so funny to me still. <laughs> I mean, wasn't that when they were at that school when Radiohead was like really blowing up in like the late 90s? Oh. People I... always forget Harry Potter took place in the 90s. They were wearing like skippets and stuff. and I guess it's true. In the yeah. fifth book, they mentioned Harry. I think it was Harry. No, it was that the kid. What was that one kid that he was living with? Dudley. Ron cousin Weasley? Dudley. Dudley. Oh, Dudley. Yeah. He was like specifically playing a PlayStation 1. <laughs> Whoa. Period piece. I had a PlayStation 1. <laughs> nice. I, I have one still, but the laser in it died, so now it doesn't work. You gotta flip it upside down. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you gotta lay it upside down and it still works. Dang, thank you for telling me that. <laughs> Should hang on to it. It'll definitely be like a oh, prop yeah. in a nostalgic millennial movie in the near well, future. I don't throw away any of my like video game stuff because I'm like some like dude down the line is gonna be like, okay, you froze it. Like look at Pokemon cards now. I don't throw any of those away either. It's all but, gonna be in a museum someday. Yeah, or a bunch of dudes who are like, I'll pay you one million dollars for your like Jar Jar Binks stuffed animal that you got at McDonald's in 2003. I'm like, okay, there you go, sir. <laughs> what Wes Anderson movie specifically would you want to put a song into? His next movie. The next movie. Whatever it is. It's like Ditchpatch Dispatch oh, or the, something. That one oh. or, or his next next movie? No, his next next movie. The one that's still, it's not even in his mind. It's just a twinkle in his eye. That's, if he, I think if he ever made something kind of futuristic or like more like gritty or like street, streety, like I feel like we, we could be in there he uh he and i crossed paths on the street in new york once wow it's my biggest celebrity sighting i think cool my wife didn't recognize him but i just i knew instantly because he looks exactly the way you'd imagine him to look (laughs) (laughs) do you have a scarf he had a scarf he wore his his like kind of like taupe brown you know, corduroy jacket, you know, with his yeah. with his brown pants and he had his little notebook in his arm, you know. I love that he dresses like that, but he's just from Texas. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> you'd think he's like from like Denmark or something, but he's like, no, just <laughs> Texas. He could definitely like step in at any given moment and be a character in one of his films. Oh, yeah. They're all just his little buddies in his Or mind. he could be played by Tilda Swinton. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he could. <laughs> um, or when Owen Wilson is available. Exactly. Now that Marvel snatched him up. And then Jasmine, you do a like musician interview podcast of your own called the Hand Salad, correct? Yes, I do. Hand Salad Podcast. What would you say is your favorite question to ask people or to talk about with them? Oh uh, well, I ask everyone what's the craziest thing that's happened at a gig you were playing? And I've gotten some really interesting stories. Do you feel comfortable sharing some of them? I know it's other people's. Well, yeah, I mean, you can listen to it. It's on Spotify. That's true, that's so true. <laughs> um, I just interviewed Susie True though, and uh, she was telling me that uh, one of her bandmates was saying that she was hungry and somebody from the audience pulled like a tortilla out of his pants like out of his pocket and was like do you want this no (laughs) yeah no no what's the craziest thing that's happened on a show you were at 
Yeah, you know, that's the thing is I don't know what our answer would be. Okay. Just, you know? Oh yeah. What? Uh the last ham and egg show we did. Things got Oh yeah. Things that's got right. shitty quickly. Yeah, it was it's the same answer that Lindsay B actually gave on uh my podcast. That's right, because we played we played with her. We were playing on that show together. Yeah, and some guy was very or no there were two guys who were so we played super annoying we we played first so yeah. we avoided it uh and she played it after us um and then these two guys came in uh off the street Horrible. no one knows who they are and they were probably hammered and just yeah, they looking were definitely drunk and, and just looking to fight looking for a fight um so they were kicked out pretty quickly they were like, harassing Lindsay b like yeah. pretty um, pretty openly and uh yeah go ahead. Yeah. yeah oh yeah they just they got kicked out and then like a couple minutes later uh through a lime scooter through the glass door <gasps> of ham and eggs that's really and then, bad and then they ran away and then like cowards away, yeah. <laughs> dang that's like really like almost traumatizing i thought it was yeah. gonna be something funny like the tortilla in the pocket Oh, it was it was bad crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not good crazy. I think me and Gary had a neutral crazy experience at a show where you're playing softcore porn on on the TV in the background. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and that was really distracting during somebody's set. <laughs> um, and then there was a couple too, like who were um fighting, but not like you know like aggressively fighting, just like arguing. But it was one of the, if people think it was one of the uh, performers. Like it was his girlfriend. So after his set, and they were like oh, yeah. in the corner. Like, have you seen that Vine where the the couple are like hugging at like the Panera Bread, and they're like rocking each other, and the guy's like, "Is that allowed? Is that allowed?" Anyway, <laughs> that's how it felt because like they were just next to us, like, and the girl's like sobbing in his arms, and she like, and it was obvious that like she was mad at him, but he, it was really yeah. God. And me and Gary were like, <laughs> we're like, oh. Like, can we ask them to move because they're in front of the photo booth and we want to take a picture? <laughs> it's gonna be like, great set, man. Hope your girlfriend feels better. Um, can you scooch over so we can get in front of the photo booth? Witnessing strangers' raw emotions is hard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, it was a good gig. That was a really good gig. It was one of our last gigs before COVID hit. Um, but yeah. Hope they're doing okay. Or maybe they went their separate ways. We don't know. We hope they're happy and healthy wherever they are. COVID yes. distilled a lot of relationships one way or another. So true. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Uh, and then Gary wants to ask Gary's favorite question now. Gary asks every single episode. Are you yes. gonna ask it, Gary? Yes, me, Gary, will ask, can you please define your perfect bagel? Can I have um Two perfect bagels? Yes. Yes. Well, okay, one bagel would be a jalapeno cheese bagel with jalapeno cream cheese. And then the other one would be an everything bagel with cream cheese, lox, and capers, and maybe a tomato. I, I agree with that second one. I think I, I'm a pretty simple gal. I don't like to have like a very fiddly bagel with a lot of ingredients. So I, I love a plain bagel. Cream cheese and locks. I think that's simple and, and good. Yeah. Simple and good. A simple bagel is okay. You don't have to sometimes Gary reinvents the wheel with the hummus and the this and the that. And that's okay too, but sometimes it's okay yeah. to just, you know, have that bagel. Do you feel like a hot bagel with jalapenos? 
No, you know, I <laughs> I don't want to like get any hate for this, but like I I just like original flavor for like almost anything. Plain. Like I don't like like additional flavors like because a lot of the time it tastes like too fake to me or too mm. like i don't know like weird or like not enough like the thing it's supposed to taste like so i just why like, are we trying to reinvent the wheel here yeah plain bagel it's it's bagel flavored <laughs> definitely i'd love to see you though as like a guest on chop like a guest judge and you just say that and some like ritzy chef like come across the cable and be like how dare you how dare you not like my lemon infused uh like lemon infused this that the other peppermint oil you're like i just wanted a regular pizza i just yeah simple simple recipes taste good that's that's my view that's why in and out is so successful they don't offer a lot of options you get what they have and that's it yeah yeah also i hate like make your own places actually like i know that's it's super trendy and, and everybody likes them but it's too stressful i'm just like if there's a chef who is a professional at this and they came up with a a recipe a combination of ingredients that is perfect just give me that thing like i don't want to come up with something that i'm just like i don't know i i get anxious i guess Choice, choices breed anxiety yes exactly I, I get stressed out about like oh but pickles and pepperoncinis is that too many things we all don't want as much choice as we think we do yeah, yeah. i like America to keep my say food choices simple and then my artistic choices crazy <laughs> No, literally, like, same thing with, like, I mean, girl, I went to a pokey place recently, and they had, like, 12 different flavors of pokey, and then I was like, can I try some of them? And they're like, only two samples. And I'm like, but they're like, I want, I was like, how am I supposed to know from these vague descriptions? But yeah. this, you know, I was like, pokey usually just tastes like pokey. It's usually just a spice. Right. You know? Give me fish flavored. Fish. Yeah. Just a little citrusy, a little, you know, or let me get back there and do it myself. Anyway, <laughs> um, thank you so, so much for chatting with us. And as we wrap everything up, we have three final questions. The first of which is, are either of you working on any other artistic projects um, apart from the band? And if so, would you like to talk about those or plug those now? I don't have much right now. I'm, I'm also a, like a videographer, cinematographer, so I work on films, but I haven't worked on much in a while just because of the pandemic. So mm. I've been mainly doing a little more editing because you can do it from home. But uh, I don't know, I'm putting feelers out there and, and uh, a lot of friends of mine seem to be ready to get back into the game. So I'm, I'm hopeful that a, a new project will crop up soon. Yeah, awesome. we're we're definitely a band of cinephiles. So uh, I have been doing some sound stuff for uh, my boyfriend's short films, and I did a score for his uh, most, I, I guess, like his Im- impending uh, short film called "The Couple Upstairs." Um, that was a really unique experience for me because I'm just so used to like doing music just for myself and like looking inward but it was a different experience to like watch something happening on the screen and then and then like try to gauge my read of what was happening um but yeah it, it was cool we did sort of like a, a sci-fi inspired uh score for a weird intimate little short yeah and i've, I've been trying to do some like film sound 
like sound engineering type stuff. Yeah, and anything where I get to play with microphones is my favorite. Very, very cool. And Jangus uh, Kangus recorded Anxiety during the pandemic, but we also recorded two or three other songs. Yeah, we have other songs that are... That are going <laughs> to end up on an album eventually. And Big old album. And we're going to start working on the rest of that album soon. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now that we have band practice again, we're, we're back in the swing of things and... and... There's a big, uh, ambitious album in the works. The, the songwriting was actually pretty fun during COVID because uh, we did it all remotely, you know? So mm. we would, she would like write, she would write a song, send us a demo, and we'd get sort of an idea of the, sort of an idea of the structure and, and all that. And then uh, she would take it to our drummer, he would record the drums, then she would bring it to me and then it's like, well, here are the chords, here are the drums. Now I have to come up with just something because this is what we have to work with. You know, like the previous album, it was very collaborative because we could get yeah. together and play and experiment. But this one was just kind of like, you just kind of, each, each band member makes decisions and the other band member builds off of it. And we actually wrote songs way faster that way too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Things fell into place with the pandemic. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that actually covered my next question, which is like, what were the goals right now? Or what's coming up for Jengis Kangas? But if there's anything else, please let us know. I mean, hopefully play any show that'll have us and- You have you a know. show coming up soon, right? Yes, yeah, so we're playing Highland Park Bowl on the 20th, Friday, August 20th. At 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Get there Woo! early. Bring your loved ones and your vaccine card. Yes. Fierce attitude to bowl before or after. Do they bowl still? Yeah, bowling? Oh. It's the bowling alley, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, uh, the, yeah, the venue's interesting because the venue's in front, in the front of the of the building, you know, with oh. the bar and the stage. And then you, you like walk outside of that room and you like go down a hallway and then the bowling alley and restaurant and bar okay. at the other end. Yeah. So I haven't been like, there. So I thought it was maybe like you guys could play. I think we do. I think we do get free bowling. Yeah. I would love that. I think I was in that email list. <laughs> but, I might put uh, on a latex glove, but ooh. I would love that. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I don't know if I can stick my fingers into used bowling balls anymore <laughs> after <laughs> after knowing what I know through then, this pandemic. And then eating some finger food right after. And then, and then plowing down on some fries and, you know. Yeah, I know we can bowl. I It's really the fur furthest thing from my mind at this point because I'm just <laughs> trying to play this game. But Haven't yeah. even considered it in so long. Yeah. It'll be our first gig back in, in over a year. So I'm like pretty excited. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, maybe once uh, after you play and do a couple games. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Definitely. Awesome. And then uh, finally, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. On the internet, we are on Spotify. We're on uh, any any of those streaming things. So Spotify, Apple Music title i don't i can't even keep track but all of those places where you can stream music um you can find us and we're also on bandcamp bandcamp is completely comprehensive so uh that's everything all the singles and stuff that we've made 
Our old stuff is under our old name, Sankaran. Do you want to explain to people how to find all of our stuff? Because if they, they should go to your playlist, right? On yeah, Spotify. so I, I made a Spotify playlist on the Jengis Kangas page that's a fake this is, uh, this is Jengis Kangas. Mm-hmm. And that's got everything that we have uh, in chrono- chronological order that I recorded them. Um, and then some stuff that I produced for my friend Sam as well is on there. Um, and then Instagram at Jengis Kangas. My, my, uh, my podcast is at hand underscore salad. Do we have a Twitter account? Uh, yes. And if you want to see weird stuff that I say on Twitter, you can follow me at Jengis Kangas. Cool. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on our show. And we hope you guys have a fantastic first show back. Thank you. Thanks for having us. For what you guys have coming up. Um, Keep us in the loop. And thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening. Yeah, and stay tuned as we have more tunes and the performance by Genghis Genghis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our interview with Genghis Genghis. We have a performance coming up from Jengis Kangas, but before that, we have three songs to share with you. Yes, we got some rocking tunes for y'all, starting off with My Favorite T-Shirt by Yasmin Nur, which uh, if you will hear, I think this belongs in like a skateboarding video game. Mm-hmm. Maybe, perhaps, uh, if they make the next remakes of the Tony Hawk games, or that new EA Skate which is not called Skate 4, but it's basically Skate 4. Or like a racing game. This, I think it matches. Like a, like a mid-2000s racing game as well, like a Burnout. And also that matches is Pick Watching is Hangus, sung by Nadu, Survive. Yes, but Gary, do you have a favorite t-shirt? My favorite t-shirt? Oh. My favorite one I liked was, uh, an, to throw back to last week's episode, is a, is a Now Now shirt. But it has a cat on it, and it says, meow meow. I've never seen you wear that, so how's that your favorite t-shirt? Because it has holes in it, and I want to keep it nice, and if I wear it more, I have more holes. You could wear it in the house. I've never also, even seen you wear it Also, at the house. time before, I was too big for it, but I think <laughs> now it fits again. Now it fits again. Bring it out. Bring it out. We, I could fix up the holes. Ooh, thank you. And then to round off the block, we have a song Guest Room by Future Teens from their Deliberately Alive EP. Angie, I forgot to ask, what was your favorite t-shirt? Uh, I like this blue, this blue striped t-shirt. It's very comfy. Um, it's comfy and it served me well. Um, I don't know if that's really a t-shirt though. It's more just like a, a, sh- a tee. It's like a t-shirt. I don't know. I'm not Speaking of t-shirts, we got three songs performed by Jengis Kangas, and they also released an awesome video to go along with it. Find it on our social media at The Spirit on the Air or the Jengis Kangas YouTube page linked in our show notes. Yes, the three songs will be Cactus, Goldilocks, and... Sorry, I'm bad at everything. Yeah!
Yes. I'm sorry about everything. Oh. While Gary picks himself off off the floor, we hope you enjoy these rockin' tunes, and we'll be back for one more little segment before we say goodbye. On the spare. On there.
so much better if I
Community Radio. All your friends are doing it. 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 Best frequencies forever.
Wow, Angie. I sure love those performances by Genghis Kangas. Yes, yes, yes. We got two songs to say goodbye. The first of which is Sorry, I'm Busy by The Harmonies. From the album She Won't Make Sense. Then we're ending the show off with The Fatalist by Curl House from the EP The Girl House. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Despair on the Air on BFF.fm. And we hope you come back to listen with your listening ears next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Fries, words get twisted.
BFF.FM